I just instinctively reached like a baby. Sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn's Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Rowe. Penn, Matt, Reddy, Rich, and I are broadcasting from Show Peter South here in Las Vegas. This week, we'll be talking about legitimate political discourse, Canadians writing, and Penn recording with Dead Mouse and Mufasa. This week, we'll also hit some of our viewer mail. Here he is, preaching love. Mr. Pendulet. Yeah! This is Pendulet! There he is! Studio! A preach of love! Bow, 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 bow. Bow, bow, bow. Bow, 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 bow. Yeah, boy, it's it's weird. We're first we're in lockdown, then we're out, then we're in lockdown, then we're out. And now, um, as far as we're concerned, we all have COVID and don't give a <laughs> fuck. Is that the idea now? I believe so. Is that where we are? We're trying to combine are it. We can- seeing- are we Canadian truckers now? <laughs> yes. I believe we are uh, going down. Uh, <laughs> the, the feeling is being described as post-COVID. Yeah, which is, COVID is no saying this. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like the IRS. <laughs> I can say I don't believe in the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> the Constitution, I don't have to pay taxes, but they don't care they don't about care those statements. They COVID just... doesn't care at all. Either. We've been hanging around the code because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah. going to develop the next strain right here in this room. I'm excited. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> Big project. What did you make? I made the Lambda Lambda variant. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all we got to do, right, is get to Omega and we're done, right? Yeah, because Omega has to be the end, right? Omega, what, what else are they going to do after that? They have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> Some scientists at the CDC is like, if we just name an Omega, COVID won't know. It's a virus. It's stupid. It's really fucking stupid. We have to remember it's stupid. Let's call it Omega. Be done. Hey, stupid. Shh. Shh. Omega Bluff. How science finally beat COVID. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Omega. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you think we called it Louise, it would get embarrassed and leave. <laughs> yeah, there's stuff that there's articles now coming out going, you know, to uh, Omicron. Uh, there were, you know, 50 variations. It's evolving faster than fast. Hey, how could it do that? So look out. Yeah, okay, I'll look out. And, you know, no promise, no promise at all that it evolves to be less uh, less dangerous. None. No promise no. at all to that. It could evolve to, to it could be snottier. It could be more unpleasant. Yeah. But, uh, boy, and uh, the death rate in the United States is astonishing. We're at 900,000. Yeah. We're going to hit a million. We'll hit a million. Boo, boo, boo. I know you're rooting for Go it. Team. I don't want to see a million. You do. You're do, all about I it. I, I'm all about a million. Because once you get a million, we can just kind of relax and go, yeah. Because <laughs> any other milestone after that, 1.1, we won't care. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. but, uh, We're going to look again until it's five. That'll be- <laughs> Oh, whenever you say don't look again, I think of uh, one of the big, most nightmare moments of any book ever is um, Memoirs of a Shipwrecked Sailor mm-hmm. by Gabriel Gabriel Marquez. Right. What's his name? I don't, I don't 
don't know. You know, the guy wrote 100 Years of Solitude. Yeah, yeah. Love of the Time of Cholera. Great writer. Great writer. You know, one of the best writers of our time. Uh, and before he was like the great writer of our time, he, um, he, uh, he, he, he was a reporter, right? Mm -hmm. And there was this shipwrecked sailor uh, who went through being shipwrecked. Right. And out on the ocean for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And Marquez wrote his story. He was the one that co-authored the story with the guy. Okay. So it's a story of a, of a, of a guy on a raft, right? But it's written by a fabulous writer. Mm -hmm. And there is a moment in there that just made my skin crawl. Uh, the shipwrecked sailor goes overboard. Uh, on a moon moonless night, mm -hmm. it's dead dark, and he's got a raft. He's got a raft, and he's on the raft, and it's the middle of the night, and he's in the ocean, and his watch is luminescent. Okay, yeah. he can look at his watch and he can see it. It's just barely there, but he can see it. So he's been, he's in the ocean. Oh yeah. There, you remember this part? Yeah, I do. Why don't you I ruin the punchline for me? There's a whole. There's, That's why I said I should stop now. I there's, shut up. There's nothing around him. Okay. Nothing. Moonless night. He's dark in the ocean, cold. No ship around. It's sunk or whatever the fuck happened to put him, made him shipwrecked, right? Yeah. And he is floating in the middle of the ocean, right? And he looks at his watch. And he promises himself, promises himself, he will not look at the watch until he's sure that an hour's gone by. Because otherwise, he knows he's going to go crazy. He can't just stare at the watch in the middle of the ocean with nothing going on. Oh. So he sits. I'm so uncomfortable right now. And he waits. <laughs> he waits a full hour. And then he waits a little longer. And a little bit longer and says, good, I just want to do this. He looks at his watch. It's been less than five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he just starts crying. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean, no, we don't. We don't know. We don't know how bad that is. No. It's bad. That is bad. It's really bad. And the great thing is when he finally washes up on shore, um, he has, oh yeah, he catches a seagull after a lot of work and rips it open with his bare hands and discovers that there are some things you won't eat no matter how hungry you are. <laughs> he just throws it back. He just can't eat the seagull after going to all this work catching it. Wow. And he eats his shoes. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He gets washed up on shore and he is dying of thirst and he's dying of hunger. And the farmer that finds him, right? <laughs> knows that if he eats or drinks too fast, he'll die. So the farmer wrestles with him and throws food out of his truck so he can't get to it <laughs> to save his life. Oh my! And God. they're fighting all the way to the hospital. <laughs> oh my God. It's a really, it's a really great story. And Jesse Dillon, you know, Bob Dillon's son, yeah. friend of mine, who's a director, wanted to make it into a movie to be shot in my pool. <laughs> I wanted to shoot the whole thing in my pool. And we were talking about it. And Marquez is um, uh, very, very uh, hesitant. Well, he's dead now. But was very hesitant about Americans making movies. They've ended up doing it. 
but he's very hesitant about it. And somehow, Jesse Dillon got in touch with Marquez, okay? And you would think he would drop the Dillon name. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. He dropped the Penn and Teller name. (laughs) (laughs) And Marquez said, Penn and Teller are friends of the people. Yes. (laughs) He considered us part of the revolution. (laughs) Friends of the people. Ben and Teller, and was considering it. Wow. And then uh, I think Jesse decided that shooting a movie by Marquez in my pool was not his major concern anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But whenever you say waiting an amount of time and checking, I think of that. Because we've all done that willpower thing. I'm not going to until, and then just failed miserably. (laughs) Yes. Failed miserably. Terrible. Terrible. No, I remember, yeah, reading a story about uh, three people surviving at sea and a ship finding them. And that, you know, downstairs and they're given just water at first and then bread and butter and nothing else, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And they're like, oh my God, we've been rescued, but now we're, now we're in prison. <laughs> now we're in prison because they didn't speak the language. There was a language barrier. No one could speak to each other. And they didn't know that they were slowly saving their lives by introducing <laughs> food very slowly. Back into their system. They had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, because I what you're thinking is cheesecake, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> I missed the Thanksgiving. Do it up. <laughs> yeah. I was on a boat. I was on a boat deciding not to eat a maggot-filled seagull. And now it's Thanksgiving time. Take me to honey-baked ham. <laughs> yeah, that's where I would like to be. I think cheesecake factory. And I want yeah. one of those big salads that's not a salad. You know, with a salad. Steak salad, yeah. We have a salad that has fudge in it. You know, that's what that's what cheesecake factory. Under our salads, we have the lard, lard and fudge salad, which is very, very healthful because it says the word salad. That's a great thing about American salad bars. Pudding. Pudding, is Pudding in a salad in a salad bar <laughs> yeah. is a great idea. Pudding in a salad bar. Oh man! But sweet tomatoes just went out of business. Yeah, they're gone. The um the we used to like COVID sweet tomatoes, but COVID came along that and they just end. went. Uh, our basic idea is salad bar, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Close it. Yeah. But now in Vegas, the buffets are back up and everything, right? Are the buffets back up? I don't know. None of us have left our house in. Two no, years. but I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. Uh, I don't think, or or at least some with adapted behavior. I bet I don't think it's just the same old buffets anywhere yet. I, I don't, don't think, think so. I think you I pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it's just you. They <laughs> 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 figured out how to make it safe. <laughs> There's about uh, I'd say on the order of twenty that have reopened. Oh, really? I read in the paper that uh, some buffets were opening. Like I don't know if you can still get the Vegas.com's buffet buffet. Do you know? Remember that? Oh, we could go to every different buffet. Yeah, you bought a package that yeah. you could go to like five. Yeah. Oh, buffets. that was they renamed it. It's called the Super Spreader. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the spread. Yeah. <laughs> super Super Spreader. Yeah, it's weird ass, isn't it? Weird ass to be in Vegas. Yes. I've walked through one casino since um, March of 2020. Yeah. I have walked through one casino, one single casino, and that was to see Piff. Yeah. I walked in with Hondro, Hondro and Mox, mm-hmm. and we walked in to, uh, to see Piff, and that was walking through a casino, and that was just surreal. Because casino, that's a weird thing. 
we cannot go back to normal life in Vegas because Vegas isn't fucking normal life. Right. Vegas is a psychotic place to live. Yeah. With crazy. And what is this about everybody speeding now? I mean, you been reading those articles? 5,100 tickets for people going over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Now, that's, a, that's administered by the Las Vegas Police Department. It's very important that for people, listeners at home, to realize that Nevada has a highway patrol. That's, that <laughs> is not from the highway patrol. That's not people going 100 miles an hour on highways. Right. And Las Vegas is Wait, one third of what finish. you think of as Let him finish. Let him finish. <laughs> right. He's making a point. That's 5,100 tickets of people going over 100 miles an hour on roads that are likely 45 miles an hour or lower. Right. That is not freeways. Right. That's what he said. Yeah. Not highways. Well, and the other thing to know is that Las Vegas is one third of Las Vegas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's we true. have a lot of other little towns yeah. surrounding. None of us yeah. live in Las Vegas. Yeah. Right. Paradise and Summerlin. Yeah. And, yeah. Henderson. Yeah. Henderson. Enterprise. Enterprise. <laughs> I live in Enterprise. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You live in Enterprise. I live in Summerlin. You live in Henderson. Right? Yeah. Not one of us lives in. Do you live in Vegas already? This is Enterprise. Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At 5,000. 100. 5,100. Over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. So. If you put those all together, yeah, uh, they would be going as, as fast <laughs> as fast as the James Webb telescope. Well, I don't know if I, I don't know if one of us is at liberty to say, but one of us works in a place where a car smashed into it and laid out in its parking lot. So, so I don't know if that's something that. Uh, oh, he's bringing <laughs> photos of it. Oh, that's right. That's right. So what people discover is when they're going that fast and they slam on their brakes, they discover that their cars become a bullet. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've discovered that that uh, brakes is a maybe a loose term when you're going that fast on a <laughs> yeah. tiny road. You can make the wheel stop spinning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I was told that was 130 in a, I believe, a 35. Oh, 130. Now, how many times have you been over 100 miles an hour in a car there, uh, Matt Donnelly? I mean, on a highway. Uh, I mean, not often, but it's 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 you know, I don't I don't wouldn't have a number in my head. Uh, how about you, Guido? Twenty, uh, twenty-five. Uh, over 120. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe once. I, I owned a very fast car for a short time. <laughs> oh, that's right. You and Lance bought matching cars. No, no, not matching. <laughs> I bought mine. I brought mine from from the Jetsons, and he bought his from the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> I had a 300ZX twin turbo, and he had a Corvette. Uh, uh, and so his went 55 miles an hour and was loud in plastic. <laughs> and mine went 155 and felt like you weren't driving it or even moving. <laughs> well, uh, Lou Reed. Lou Reed uh, went, uh, 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 they were trying, when he did Why Settle for Walking, the, uh, the the scooter ad he was really embarrassed about. Yeah. He did a Yamaha ad. And the Yamaha ad was after he did Walk on the Wild Side. Mm. It was Lou Reed for Yamaha motorci uh, motorcycle scooters. Yeah. Why Settle for Walking was the slogan. <laughs> and they bought, they bought Lou Reed for it. And Lou was always very, very touchy about it. As a matter of fact, um, Vanity Fair, did a photo spread on called best friends. Okay. And the idea was to get people that had different jobs who were both, uh, known in the arts or something who were very, very good friends and then take a picture of them together. So they'd have like an architect 
and a DJ who were friends and a sculptor and a poet that were friends. And the opening picture was me and Lou Reed, yeah. the magician and the musician who were friends. And they brought in, because it was whatever that was, I think it was Vanity Fair. And on the next page, they had yellow leather and red leather. Just, <laughs> yeah. it, was just, it was just a magazine of tongue twisters. <laughs> and they had toy boats. Yeah. <laughs> and the skunk that sat on the stump, and the stump that thought yeah. the skunk stunk. Yeah. <laughs> it was all there. And the first photo spread was going to be a picture of me and Lou Reed. Yeah. Right? So Lou and I are putting on our clothes and getting ready for the photo. And we get into position and we're standing in front of this big four by five fancy camera. A guy named uh, Greenfield was the photographer. I remember his name because it's my town I was from. And he had the all set up. We're, we're lit beautifully. And we have the makeup on. And as we get in front of the camera, my friend Lou Reed becomes my hero, Lou Reed. He goes from uh, we're two guys just had breakfast don't together, throw, throw. ate a couple of bagels, <laughs> do, 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 yeah. to now he's in front of a camera. Now he's Lou Reed. Now yeah. he's intense. And I see his whole body change as he gets in the leather jacket and he kind of steals himself and he's looking like Lou Reed and he's feeling like Lou Reed. He's Lou Reed. And I'm staying directly behind him because Lou, much smaller than me. Lou is not particularly small, but I'm particularly big. So he's standing in front of me. And I say, why settle for walking? <laughs> which was the slogan he hated. <laughs> and which he was embarrassed about. And which was also making fun of him becoming Lou Reed. Oh. So Lou Reed spun around and punched me in the face. <laughs> 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 and they got photographs right before and right after. <laughs> uh. It's me laughing as Lou's fist is about six inches from my face, and then me <laughs> swinging back, and Lou just—he just turned around, and pushed me in the face. I mean, there was no nothing. He just boom. no. What did you say? No, no, no. no. Why well, settle for walking? And I did my best, you know, Lou Reed. Yeah, yeah. Why well, settle for walking? You know, that kind of <laughs> dead on we New York City. Why well, settle for walking? <laughs> boom. <laughs> best friends. First photo shoot of the first group of friends. <laughs> One of the best friends punches the other best friend in the face. <laughs> Within three minutes of the photo shoot starting. Anyway, so Lou always rode Harleys. Yeah. He always had a Harley. He always rode a Harley. That was Lou Reed riding a Harley. Yeah. And Yamaha had him do the scooters. Right. And uh, Yamaha thought, well, we could win Lou Reed over from Harley's, wouldn't that be a great thing, right? Mm -hmm. So they brought him in Jersey to a big uh, Yamaha place, and they brought in their best motorcycles mm -hmm. for Lou Reed to take a test drive, okay? And uh, so they put Lou on their big, big motherfucking mm -hmm. motorcycle. Big roadster. Yeah, big roadster, whatever that big Yamaha is. Uh, they put him on that, and Lou takes it, for a ride, right? And Lou comes back and says to them, the speedometer is broken on this. This piece of shit, the speedometer is broken on this brand new motorcycle you give me. It had me going 125. And I was not going 125. And they go, Lou, 
you were going 125. <laughs> <laughs> you were going 125 on a Yamaha motorcycle. And <laughs> Lou said, well, on a Harley, you could tell when you're going 80. And they said, <laughs> yes, on a, on, a, on a Harley, you could tell when you're going 40. <laughs> Harleys are loud and they rattle. And you can't get them up to 125. Yeah. And Lou said, that's fucking stupid. You can't have a motorcycle. You can't tell how fast you were going. And they showed the, the speedometer, <laughs> which they thought would be helpful. But Lou dismissed the Yamahas entirely after that. <laughs> he was going 125 on a Yamaha. Yeah, well, that's that the, happens. The, the fastest I was going, I don't know how fast I was going because it was driving in the middle of the night uh, between Vegas and LA. Well, but, Here we go. <laughs> and I came <laughs> zooming over a hill, and as I went downhill, I saw a cop right on my right side. Uh-huh. It's just me alone. So I was like, oh. And I slammed the brakes and looked down and see that I'm going 110. <laughs> <laughs> did the cop uh, pull you over? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. <laughs> and he goes... Do you know how fast you were going? <coughs> I said, fast. <laughs> <laughs> Rapido. Fast. Rapido. And he Rapido. Goes, Any reason in particular you're <laughs> driving at that speed? And I said, officer, is there any good reason I could tell you right now for me to be going the speed I was going? <laughs> and he literally just was like, I'll be back. <laughs> like I totally, <laughs> totally stone-faced both of the questions. I had no story, no sob story, nothing. I just was like, I'm caught, dude. I'm done. I'm dead. I get it. I have no, I am not, I have no tactics for 110 plus. I have no excuse. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I've talked about this before. I did the Pottstown run where, yeah. where Chris Murr and I went from, from uh, uh, Northampton, Mass to Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And we were in a, in, in a uh, Mercedes or BMW and we were, uh, we, we were, we averaged 100 miles an hour for the whole trip, yeah. over 100 miles an hour. So there were roads we were hitting at 120. And I said, which I think maybe uh, uh, every, uh, I was 18, every 18 year old who lives, has that experience where you just, uh, uh, some would make the deal with God. Mm -hmm. I did not make the deal with God. I made it with myself. If I live, I'll never go this fast again. Right. A deal. <laughs> if I live, I'll never go this fast again. And uh, I, I've kept I've kept my side of the bargain. Yeah. And God kept his side. I lived. <laughs> and um, I've never gone that fast. I, I went on, uh, what's that show? Top Gear. Top Gear, but they, yeah, I went on Top Gear, and they had me uh, driving in the snow, and I was uh, I was up against uh, uh, what's his name Dynamo, Dynamo racing against Penn. Oh, okay, right, the magician, magician. the British magician Dynamo. Yeah, British magician Dynamo. Yeah, and I, then that race, I I forgot who won. Uh, it wasn't important to me. Who, who won in that race? Do you remember? I think it might have been. Oh, yeah, it was, it was you. Yeah, yeah, by a lot. You. Yeah, by a lot. By by like the number of seconds that the transgender a woman swimmer is winning by. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that much, you know, like the uh, this new woman swimmer in the college. Yes. Uh, she's dried off and in the locker room <laughs> before the others finish on like a hundred yards. <laughs> I believe uh, she finishes before the others start. Um, yeah. 
That's how fast it was. But the the gag on it was that Teller was in the passenger seat. Oh. Teller was just riding. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I told Teller that I was going to go very, very, very fast. And I was in the snow. And I'm from New England. And Dynamo went around the track fairly sensibly. I slid off every place I could. I hit snowbanks. I hit fences and just came back on and just, I kept it floored the whole time. <laughs> and fishtailing it all over the place. And Teller, to show what a tough guy Teller is, Teller did not complain. He did not fight. He simply vomited. <laughs> And could not recover for like 15, you know, 15 minutes and like bring him over the side. It was insane. You know, they had cameras in the car and they're watching it go. He's just, I just didn't care. You know, I just thought what better way to die than on top. And I made it, I, I, you know, I, I revised my deal with God and said, I'm on TV now. Yes, yeah, TV. <laughs> this don't count. It's TV. It's TV. God, it doesn't count. You know that God. You know it's on TV, and um, God was reasonable. He let me live. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he understands. I, I believe your deal with God. You traded speed for the risk of running out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you used to drive too fast, and you traded that for can I make it to the gas station or to the charge station? Yeah. Well, um, my. Uh, my electric mini, my electric, I was just picking up a bottle cap from the floor Good. For, in the theater of the mind. Yes. <laughs> See, that's a thing you can do on audio mm-hmm. that you can't do on video. Watch this. It can sound like I'm picking up a bottle cap on the floor <laughs> when I'm really not. I didn't pick up a bottle cap. But yet, in your mind, just you can't in the theater of the mind, <laughs> you felt I was reaching for a bottle cap, yeah. didn't you? You felt reaching for a In the theater of the mind, <laughs> use the imagination, <laughs> the wonder of radio. Remember I sta- think you should pick it up in the Kalahari. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm going to pick up this bottle cap. Now I'm leaning over. I got the bottle cap. See how amazing that was? What if I were picking up the bottle cap in a fire? It's a fire. I'm going to get my bottle cap. Oh, it is a fire. But I'm picking up my bottle cap. What if I were picking up my bottle cap while there were a pack of wolves in the distance. <laughs> It'd be like this. I'm picking up my bottle cap. My bottle cap. Bottle cap. Ah, I got my bottle cap. What? If I were picking up my bottle cap. It'd be a long show. <laughs> while filming for Pornhub. <laughs> I'm picking, picking up my bottle cap. Now, when you go to Pornhub, Godot, do you just look for like 70s? <laughs> he wants They've to see, lost that kind of distinctive music. So te- he wants to see teased hair. Yes, and like that's S- true. Sika always had that scarf. <laughs> you know, she would never go totally naked. She had a scarf. I remember meeting uh, Seika, doing radio with her in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she'd always talk about how she wanted a little accent. So she wore a scarf no matter what sex act she was doing. That's always the first thing people talked about when they looked at her work. (laughs) Yeah, one of the things I talked about. 
didn't ask how fast I've been. How fast? How fast have you been? I'm not sure. John Whiteside was driving though. Oh my goodness, Jesus yeah, Christ! Uh-huh. <laughs> I think 170. Whoa! That would make me vomit. But 115 on the outside on the hood was my deal at 18. Wow. That's not a good idea. Yeah, I don't recommend that. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Joybird. Yeah. We've talked about Joybird. Not enough. Not enough. No, we're going to talk more about Joybird because you know furniture matters. It does. When you were like really young, furniture didn't matter. Just nah. whatever couch It just you fell had. on you. It used to just fall on <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. But now furniture really matters. Your home should show off what makes you, you. And Joybird has a selection of customizable furniture and modern home decor lets you bring your unique style into your space. Joybird offers modern, customizable furniture for every space, available in a variety of vibrant, durable fabric options. Get ready, get ready, get ready for Joybird's President's Day sale. That's coming up. That's coming up. We just started getting Joybird stuff. We started right. using them because I wanted to find out if I really liked them so they'd be a sponsor on the show. Yeah. We're getting cool stuff. It's really good stuff. They help you pick what you want. Uh, they they help, you know, we need, we're putting in this guest room, you know, because my mother-in-law's moving out and we want to have the guest room back to a guest room and have a little bit more room in it. And do you have a, you know, convertible, uh, not a car to drive in, but a, uh, but a convertible sofa into a bed and is it really nice? And yeah, they do all that stuff. Choose from over 18,000 customizable options or browse curated collections to find the perfect piece for your one-of-a-kind style. Book a virtual showroom appointment to chat with a showroom stylist from the comfort of your own home. From rich leathers to the softest velvets, you know, any kind of thing you want. I wouldn't get the leathers, obviously being a vegan, but the velvets are nice. Um, not the velvet underground here. I'm talking about the softest velvets for your for your furniture. Um, unsure where to start? Joybird's design specialists are standing by to make your vision a reality for free. With Joybird's protection plan, your upholstery pieces will always look as good as new. This is a really good thing. Joybird stands by its quality and craftsmanship. If it's not everything you hope for, Send it back, you get your money back, okay? Create a space that brings you joy with Joybird. Visit joybird.com slash pen. And get get this, get this, 35% off your purchase. That's almost a third. 35% off your purchase. That's 35% off at joybird.com slash pen. Pen. J-O-Y-B-I-R-D dot com slash P-E-N-N. You never get that right, do you, Matt? No. Nope. No matter I, what, you're never going to get that I right. I even hung back thinking I'd join in, but it went at a pace <laughs> that I wasn't ready to yeah, follow yeah, in yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it make sense? I use this all the time. I'm, You know ExpressVPN? Do you use VPN? I do. Yeah. ExpressVPN is really good. Yeah. And it's gotten so it's, I used to worry that it wasn't as fast. Oh, you know, with it as without it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other VPNs, but I got ExpressVPN. It's lickety split. Yeah, it's lickety split. Does it make sense that the same company controls half of online retail, also passively eavesdrop on your private conversations at home? What about the idea that a single company controls ninety percent of internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries are, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. 
It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and these tech juggernauts. And that's why I use VPN. That's not the only reason. There's a lot of reasons to use VPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send gets tracked and data mined. You listen to this? You don't want that going on. ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. I like that. What I like most about ExpressVPN is how easy it is to use. Boy, it's easy. Wow. You just hit one button. Nothing to it at all. It works great. So stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activities and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash pen. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash P-E-N-N. Oh, that was good. That was really good. To get three extra months free, that's a big deal. Three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash pen right now to learn more. I got another one of these to talk about. This is the one, you know, we got our master class is wicked good. Yeah. I'm just telling you, the Penn and Teller master class, one of the best things we've done. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good for learning magic. And we're, uh, we're, we're, I love working with master class. We did a great thing. You'd see, you can see the wonderful Johnny Thompson. Mm-hmm. One of the last things Johnny did with us was doing that uh, master class. Yeah, You're in it as well. Yeah. Piff is in it. So when I talk about Masterclass, you know, the way they want me to do the ad is to talk about all these other wonderful. I'm just talking about myself. You can learn magic from Penn and Teller. It's Masterclass, and we are the masters. <laughs> we are. We're the master magician. With that Lance Burton's thing, master magician, he's gone. We're the master magician. We are the master magicians now. Yeah. We're the master magician. Wait, the second half of that statement is class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With over a hundred classes from a range of world classes. See, when you buy the Penn and Teller master class, which is what yeah. you really want, you get over a hundred other uh, master other classes. For free. It's one thing. And uh, what have you been? What have you been master classing there, Ready Rich? Ready Rich watches them all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. Did I talk about David Lynch already? I don't think so. Do you talk about David Lynch? I remember. Okay. Lay David Lynch on us. So I used to hate David Lynch because it seemed like there was there was going to be more substance at the end of his movies than there was. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, unlocking a safe, cracking a safe, and finding nothing inside. That's how I always felt about his stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't realize that he had been an abstract painter before. Mm-hmm. And that's what his goal was with film. Right. He's mm-hmm. very abstract. Yeah. And was it, was it a good master class with him? Yeah, he talked about what his thinking was for getting that kind of imagery onto onto film. That must be a good one. I'd really like uh, very much. To, did you watch the David Lynch one? I haven't seen the yeah, David Lynch. Yeah, yet. Uh, it's a uh, you can learn lots of stuff. It's really really good. There. Um, also, a lot of education stuff that you see, like on YouTube and stuff. The information may be there, but it's kind of like shovelware. Just a lot of junk. Piled up, you got to sort through. They really do lay it out very clear. Uh, We had two people come in, the directors and the producers, and they learned everything from us and then thought about how to teach it. They're really, really good. Wide variety of topics taught by the best. Learn how to write anything from a book to a screenplay. You can live from Neil Gaiman does one. Neil Gaiman does one. Steve Martin does one. They're, They're amazing. 
cinema quality classic give you unparalleled access to renowned masters. Uh, lessons range from specifically showing you how to execute a technique to a master's insight about their craft that can be translated across many fields and disciplines. That's the thing a lot of people say about ours. They don't want to learn magic, but they learn a lot about how we think about magic and empathy. Explore lessons in any order you'd like across your phone, tablet, Apple, TV, computer, or just listen with audio mode. Lessons are approximately 10 to 15 minutes in length. They fit easily. Uh, in addition to video lessons, master class classes provide you with down Downloadable lesson recaps. It's uh, it's really really good. So I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass, and as a Penn Sunday School listener, you get fifteen percent off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com/pen now. That's masterclass.com/pen for fifteen percent off the masterclass. What a deal! Now imagine. I was picking up a bottle cap while listening to a master class in the background. Let me just get this bottle cap. And the thing about writing for characters is you have to think about their ambitions oh, and their I flaws. It. I got it. Good. So uh, what were we talking about when I dropped the bottle cap and I got so interested in that? What could be... What could be so fascinating that picking up a bottle cap could lose my entire train of thought? Very odd. And you know, we're talking about the car with the the uh, slamming on the tires and it keep going. Yeah. Um, I, I've been watching the Olympics. Oh yeah. Which yeah. I didn't know that I'm the only one. I yeah, you don't watch the Olympics. It's it's on my to do list. You turn it on. This is what I like so much about having to like do a, uh, a human rights boycott. Yes. You know, I'm not watching the Olympics and how they, uh, how do you pronounce that? Do you, Uyghurs? Uyghurs? Is that what they're, how it's pronounced? The people that- Oh, the, yeah, the most, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. The, I haven't read it. The, I, I only read it. I think it's, I think it's- Right, how they're- Uyghurs? Are yeah. Muslim yeah. Uh, horrible. Uyghurs, horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible. And so I'm boycotting the Olympics for that reason. <laughs> I, I actually started boycotting the Olympics uh, right at the very beginning, before it was even in China. Yeah, you knew this was coming up. Yeah, so I started boycotting <laughs> the Olympics, I don't know, 60 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's pretty great. You're missing out. <laughs> okay, tell me about it. Here's the, when you turn it on, and and they're doing. Uh, and you watch it like it starts at like three four in the morning, morning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that when you start watching? No, <laughs> no. It turns out they'll rerun it all day. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, when you, but when you turn it on, and they're doing like uh, the luge, you know, sliding that that sled at a hundred miles an hour. You you know, the first one you say, Oh my God. Or the ski jump. The first ski jump you go, Holy Jesus, look how far he's going. But then hundred and twenty five people in a row do it. <laughs> it's everyone in China is lined up to take a ski jump and we're showing it live. So it's a long day. But that's you know, it's it's really interesting that it starts off with, oh, I can't believe you did that too. Is there, uh, maybe we could watch Sesame Street. There's something else on. <laughs> what would I, it sound like but here, if I were picking up a bottle cap <laughs> while they were doing a long ski jump? Yeah. I'm just going to get this bottle cap. <laughs> I missed it. Was that? I missed it. It's still <laughs> flying. Wow, that was still <laughs> the other thing is in ski jumping, you're not judged only on distance, you are judged also on style. <laughs> I thought, well, that's because that's one guy like did, did really well, 
And then the other guy went and went farther and he went, wow, he went the farthest. Yeah, but he looked like a dick doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. you looked cooler. You looked cooler doing it, man. But but he did go farther. Yeah, well, let's let's make style part of this. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't ever like when they bring style in. Why yeah. would you? Yeah, it doesn't, it has, I think it has no bearing in this. If you can flap and go farther, that, that counts, in my opinion. But also the... Uh, the the physics question for the for the cars they've changed the shape of the ramp so that the people ski jumping are not high above the ground they're 10 or 15 feet above the ground in, in, instead of i don't know how how tall they used to go but used to yeah, be a lot used to be a lot used to be a lot but now they've changed the slope of the hill so that the, if I, and i don't understand the physics of this it, it's like saying you know the like the tires on the car you can't stop and fall that 15 feet you're still going straight ahead at 100 right <laughs> so closer to the ground i don't i don't understand why that would be helpful i'm hoping someone who's a listener can explain that you or... mean why so for safety they've lowered the slope of the jump mm -hmm. so that you're only so many feet off the ground right. while so you fly 10 feet off the ground all the way down to the bottom but you're still you're still going 100 miles an hour straight ahead and not and not down very fast you could but when you fire a bullet out of a right. gun the bullet that you fired hits yeah. the ground the same sure. time if you drop a bullet that's correct from the same yeah place that's not quite true wait don't just say that i'm proud of knowing that that's i did really not true. know that that yeah. is true if we got and a gun a bang a boom bang boom boom of course unless it hits somebody yeah like if you're robbing a liquor store yeah you know it's gonna hit dropping somebody. a bullet would be a terrible way to rob a liquor store yeah, terrible way. i'm gonna drop this <laughs> uh, i guess don't it'll go uh, it'll go the same speed except that there is some lift in the in the skier and so they're flying a little bit longer it's not only about speed it's also about how they're able to hold their bodies and make themselves fly longer for right, sure so it's not quite that but at no point would you stop and fall that 10 feet you're never going to stop and fall 10 feet. You're going to keep going until you run out of speed. Wiley Coyote disagrees. <laughs> well, you're, yeah, you, yeah. Are, you are, you are going to fall that 10 feet. But you're it's not different. You're going to fall that 10 feet over a long distance. Yes. Yeah. But you're still only going to... Uh, the distances, they're still flying the same distances and descending the same distance because the hill goes down. Oh, right, right, yeah. So you're staying 10 feet above the hill because the hill, the hill's slope goes down at the same speed, you're, the same rate How you're do falling. They, that's when the hills were created. How did the hills? How did the hills work? These, are not, know. these are not hills. These are buildings. Buildings? They're jumping on buildings. Buildings covered with snow? No, covered with plastic ski ski carpet. Really? <laughs> and ramp and and slots. To me, the scariest part is that you're you're at the top of the ski ramp and you have to put those big old clunky skis on on a set of stairs. With, that doesn't have much rail, and then you got to scooch out on a bench and put your feet in these slots. Well, by the way, that's not the scary part. Good. <laughs> the scary part is going down the fucking hill <laughs> at a hundred miles an hour, and then going off the end like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> that's a scary part. With well, a scary, scary part, part. <laughs> looking down at your skis as he says, "Hack me." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which would be my my sponsor, <laughs> sponsored by Acme. Uh, yeah, I, I, see, I don't care. I might want to watch one ski jump. Yeah, it's yeah. great for three. But the distance, the difference, how, how, what's the difference between like silver and gold for a distance? yard, maybe a yard, maybe two feet. Who gives a fuck? I love the, the guy who's silver. <laughs> <laughs> I love the winter Olympics when I was a bartender because having that on the screen instead of news was good. 
was like welcome. That was a good change of pace. You know that they've done a lot of studies, and um, <laughs> and then they put these things on that you could control what channel your TV is on. <laughs> well, I'm saying at the, the end of the study, on, they just <laughs> oh yeah, no one could complain about the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, one, you just I wanted to watch on. the news. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> There's a luge happening. Yeah, yeah. Skeleton. But you know they've done studies. I read this article uh, last Olympics, I guess, yeah. uh, <laughs> about how uh, silver medalists uh ruins their life uh gold medalists do well and bronze medalists do well yeah they have no problem right but the silver medalists who think i almost it's yeah it's uh, one one thousandth of a second on some of the contests yeah, they're really really it's for inch. the rest of their life oh <laughs> you don't want to be silver it makes sense because it's the first thing people ask mm -hmm. he's, he's a silver medal oh you got silver medal yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, who got gold yeah. You know, it's definitely the first <laughs> question anyone asks. What'd they beat you by? Yeah. They beat you by a hundredth of a second? Why didn't you we go faster? <laughs> I mean, a hundredth of a second, would that have killed you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know how to faster. gain that, right? Like, you can get a hundredth of a second faster, right? I can do a hundredth of a second faster than I did before. <laughs> At anything. I can go a hundredth. I can beat my heart a hundredth yeah. of a second faster right now. Just with my mind. Why couldn't you? do it you I fucking can, slacker I can pick up this bottle cap 100th of a second faster than I did last time. <laughs> yeah watch this there I am the bottle <laughs> leader oh, of the mind a little bit faster <laughs> leader of the mind um, we have a friend who's uh, went to the Olympics and uh, her, her husband was talking to another friend of mine Jacob about it and Jacob said she went to the Olympics he said yes yeah. how far did she get he said to the Olympics <laughs> 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 yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I've told you I only watched one Olympic event, and that was fencing. Because mm -hmm. yeah. Wheeler was, was was there, and that was exciting. But um, mm -hmm. it wasn't that exciting. <laughs> but, I mean, I was there yeah, yeah. cheering. That was when Wozniak's wife was scalping tickets at the LA Olympics. Remember that? Oh, shoot. I forgot about <laughs> 84. That. Was that what it was? I think it was 84. Yeah. My wife was one of the uh, flag dancers for the opening ceremony. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really, flag dancing. Yeah, she has a like a. They gave her a, a medal, a gold. <laughs> she could have done it a hundredth of a second faster. They gave her a silver medal for doing it. it ruined her life. <laughs> ruined her life. <laughs> you get you get a silver medal and you get to marry Godot, which is gonna which is gonna bum you more. So, uh, speaking of the Olympics, do you take your children uh, ice skating? Yeah, I think one of the things people don't think they could have gone a hundredth of a second faster. They could have. They could certainly <laughs> certainly get their shoes on. Right down <laughs> to get to the car. That's for sure. I know they can get faster than that. Uh, like I, you know, one thing you don't think about when when a town gets a hockey team or a football team, or whatever, that they're, that they're going to invest in things that you, around the community. But in the middle of Water Street in downtown Henderson. Mm -hmm. They built this gigantic you, facility. Really cool. Yeah, with two two ice rinks in it, and it's and it's this like old kind of western town, little yeah, bit of yeah, Art yeah. Deco western thing, and then this really brand new ice rink. <laughs> yeah, you can't miss it. That's for sure. Just this giant facility pops up out of nowhere, and so my kids was like, "Oh, I guess we can we can take them ice skating." You know, do they have rental skates? Yes, Good. they have rental skates, and they have that shoe spray. Yes, yes. You know, um. I always like to say this, but our buddy Eddie Gordetsky, mm -hmm. he uh, he wrote on Letterman. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when you write on Letterman, you write minimum <laughs> wrote, of a hundred. Wrote, not road. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> when, when he says to ride, yes. I thought, wow, he really yeah. did ride on Letterman, but he means write and wrote. Right, right. Yeah. Wrote on Letterman. <laughs> um, you write a hundred jokes a day, and if you are the most successful writer, Letterman uses three. Yeah. And the next day, you write another hundred, right? Yeah. And every day, you write a hundred jokes, and if Letterman picks none- for like five days in a row, you don't have a job anymore. <laughs> and if he picks like five, you go to head writer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just really like a hundredth, <laughs> of hundredth a second. second. Yeah. yeah. So Eddie says that this happens to every writer. He said, uh, you decide you've got a really good joke that Letterman didn't go for. <laughs> and he said, it, it sticks in your craw. Yeah. And you go home and go, geez, that was a really good joke. And the other jokes he picked weren't as good. And you submit it again which you're not allowed to do. It's not like a rule you can't, just yeah. no one ever does. Right. You put it again and he doesn't pick it again. And then you go to the head writer and go, this is a really, really good joke. Can I talk to Dave about it? And the head writer goes, it's not a good idea, but I'll let you. And if you talk to Dave about it, Dave would do the joke. Right. And every writer <laughs> had this happen once because Dave would put everything he had into the joke. Yeah. He really would. He would not try to fuck you up. Yeah. And then you would see that it was him out there and it wasn't quite what Dave wanted. And then you would be panicked and terrified and never do it again. Yeah. And every new writer that would come in, they would say, I really like this joke. And Dave didn't. They'd go, no, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> don't. Would do. And the one that the, the hill that Eddie Gorodetsky died on. <laughs> yes. And I love that it's actually this hill. And I know what it was. Yeah. Is that was when David was doing um, dialects, right? Yeah. So he would have his phone. He would like do, this is dial A. Right? Yeah. And Eddie had written this, okay? Eddie wrote one dialect that got on the got on the air that Dave picked. He did one that Dave didn't pick that he pushed for. Here's the one he did that Dave liked. Dial a luncheon meat that no one likes. Olive loaf. <laughs> that was the whole joke. <laughs> Just a guy saying olive loaf. Yeah. So then he was on a roll with the, with the, uh, <laughs> and this is the one he pushed for. Dave went out and said, dial the difference between sex and bowling. Shoe rental. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he pushed for. He pushed for that That's one. So he went to the mat for shoe rental. jokes a day. Yeah. hundred jokes a day for a year. And that's the one he pushed for. So dial the difference between skating and yeah. sex. <laughs> shoe rental. Okay, so you they're renting the shoes. You're renting the shoes. And there's this thought of like, oh my gosh, you know, like I didn't really have a good accessible ice rink near me when I grew up. At least I don't think I did. My dad had two fake knees, so maybe he wasn't eager to get us out to an ice rink. <laughs> <laughs> but as far huh. as I know, I don't believe there was any Jersey ice rinks in, in, in growing up in Monmouth County. Might have been. I bet there were. You think there was, right? There, were. there was a nice My ice dad. rink in uh, Greenfield, Mass. Yeah, well, Massachusetts, get it. And then Where I grew up in California, in a little town called Novato, there was an ice rink owned by Charles Schultz about oh, yeah. 45 minutes away. Uh -huh. My dad got up at 3.30 in the morning and drove me to hockey practice. Every day? Like three days a week. Holy fuck. <laughs> That's what they, every... <laughs> 
like, all the way to Santa Rosa to play hockey for an hour, and then we get back in the car and drive back home. Did you meet uh, Did you meet Charles Schultz? Yes, well, I thought you did. Yeah. No. Did he give you any pamphlets about reading the Bible or anything? No. <laughs> was, he a, a, was he a Bible? Guy? I think he was a big Bible guy. Yeah. He gave me a plate, a paper plate with the drawing of Snoopy on it. That you lost. That I then lost. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Uh, could have paid for my house. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he made a lot of, you know, he's just an artist, but I think yeah. the whole nativity, he, he, he fought hard to get the whole nativity scene in the, in the, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. But he also fought for jazz and to use the voice of local actors and stuff like that. So it wasn't People like he was a zealot. Him and said that he needed a, a black character and he added one right away, didn't, you know? Yeah, yeah. He did stuff like that. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to paint him as a zealot. He was a, he was a hockey zealot. <laughs> He's a hockey zealot. <laughs> he played, hockey. Like, so, so I brought he my played ice hockey with us. And you go, I didn't have access to an ice rink when I was a kid, and now my kids do. Maybe they'll be good at, at hockey, right? mm, and which, mm. I, which I saw. Hundredth of a second. Hundredth of a second. <laughs> and uh, as, soon as, as soon as we got out on the rink, I definitely saw kids younger than my children zooming around the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are still young enough to make it. And then I definitely <laughs> saw my kids uh, move around like an octopus, <laughs> reaching <laughs> about in every direction, and basically learning to skate by running on skates. <laughs> like, not actually skating, but just learning how to run <laughs> and kind of stop and let the skates go for a little bit before they just run again and just catch the wall. So uh, I did not feel an instant incl- inclination that either one of my kids were meant for hockey. We have the uh, the Donnelly brothers here, yeah. the hockey. The first time I put on the skates, I yeah. knew that was what I, it felt like part of me. I was not complete when I'm not on the ice. Would they be saying that? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, no, not at all. And then, and then also, like I have been ice skating maybe a handful of times in my life, mm-hmm. uh, and so also I'm just seeing my kids falling on the ice, and I'm trying to uh, teach them how to skate. But I am a self-taught person who just taught myself how to skate to not fall. Mm-hmm. So I'm realizing like, I'm teaching them all this stuff. And I was like, everything I'm saying could be not true at all. <laughs> like every single thing out of my mouth could be something that somebody listening could be like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> no wonder they can't skate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, I have no, I'm just primitively trying to teach my kids to survive, but I have no reference points at all. As to be like, just stop doing what you're doing. You're falling all the time. Keep in mind, yeah. Bruce Springsteen taught his daughter to ride a horse in the Olympics. And she got? <laughs> silver. A silver. So she's, yeah. of Her life is ruined. Her life is also, <laughs> really, when you look at uh, rock and roll, yeah. Bruce Springsteen definitely got a silver. Yeah, he's definitely a silver medalist. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Springsteen family, silver medalist. He's just going to like born to run like a rolling stone. Uh, kind of. Hundredth sure. of a second. Rosalita's nine minutes long. Uh, uh, this is so hard. Hundredth of a second. Hundredth of a second. Hundredth of a second. How close, how close was, was 4th of July Asbury Park? How close was that to Hey Jude? <laughs> Would it have hurt me to do another hundredth of a second? Sandy. <laughs> but they have a full cafe at the front of that place. Oh, nice. Vegan breakfast burrito. Yeah. I ordered Did it. Did you just call me that? Yeah. Okay. Hey, Ben, pay attention. <laughs> um, no, I ordered a vegan breakfast burrito from the barista at the little front corner of the ice rink. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. One of the best. It was so good. I, I got to tell you, I, I took my children ice skating. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I bet that was a great day. That's when you're supposed to call me and say, "Get out, take my kids." It wasn't good. Uh, uh, 
Emily like broke her foot. Oh, right. And I, but I'll tell you, I'm not a big fan of sports, Mm -hmm. but I got to tell you, ice hockey rinks have really good snacks. Yeah. Yes. They're good snacks. Crazy good snacks. I don't know. Like drive-in movie theaters. They can take pizza. That's just ketchup on toast. That's all it is. <laughs> they make some toast. They put ketchup on it. It's delicious. <laughs> Even hot dogs. Yeah. Back when I ate hot dogs in driving yeah. theater. Shitty, shitty, shitty snack food in certain places is so good. Yeah. And when you took me to the baseball game. Oh, baseball oh, best. That's a great place to eat crap snacks. Oh, baseball, really? I'm telling you, is high tea with some game. <laughs> it is snacks with your friends and chatting and a little bit of entertainment. Every now and then somebody does something, you go, wow, look at that. What if I dropped a bottle cap during a baseball game? It might sound like this. The bottle cap. This is really good. Theater of the, of the mind. mind. Okay, well, we I had a lot to talk about here. You know, we have to talk about Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Got to talk about Dead Mouse. Got to talk about Musafa. Is that his name? Mufa- the Lion King, Mufasa. Mufasa. Yeah, I just I did a I did a, a recording session oh. with Mufasa and Dead Mouse, never together before. <laughs> I brought them together for a recording session. So I'm going to talk about all that legitimate political discourse. That's what we do here. <laughs> I also get to write about Jethro Tull. Oh, wow. A a lot of stuff going on. But for right now, as I pick up this bottle cap, I'm going to tell you that was (laughs) Penn Sunday School. I got the bottle cap. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. You become naked. Theater of the Mind. Stan Freeberg did that whole theater of the mind thing with the helicopters bringing ice cream and hot fudge and the world's largest Sunday. You know we love you. Got somebody to thank there? I do. I want to thank the following people who support us at patreon.com slash pen. These people all are picking up a bottle cap in the middle of Carnival. Matthew O'Sullivan, Betsy Batter, Penis Massacre, all caps, Michael Fritz, pen for being concerned about my language in episode 744, Anders Stenson, Rachel Forrester, Jobeth R. Bowers, Adam Stickney, Sex Guy Jimmy D, Henry James Allison, Nathan Julian, Percival, Manuel Vidal Perez de la Mesa V, Petty Officer Scoop, David K, David Peters, Shane Brevik, Nobody in Particular, Blue Drinks Films, Brandon Knapp, Nick Dingman, Colin Durham, The Big Scuba Podcast.com, and Central Park Owl. Oh, we, you know, we love That's you. It. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>